0: Luke chapter 7, verses 41 to 42, Luke um, chapter 7, 41 to 42, and I'm going to try to get this to work, but Tim, I might need your assistance on this, yeah, I don't, it's not advancing, so I don't know if I right on. yes. I'll do, yeah, it's like it's like Sam this morning with the clicker. It has to be on, right? Um, so uh, I believe at least part of the passage is uh, is on. I think these two verses. We're going to look at a little more, uh, surprise, surprise, than just that passage. But 41-42, There was a certain creditor uh, which had two debtors. The one, um, the one, owed five hundred tenths and the other 50 and when they had nothing to pay he frankly forgave them both Jesus says tell me therefore which of them will love him the most so the question is tell me which of them will love him the most and you know it's a pretty it's a pretty straightforward question and it's a pretty straightforward answer Uh, probably the one who is forgiven most. And that's how Simon the Pharisee answers. And Jesus says, thou hast judged rightly in verse 43. But as I told you before, we're going to kind of do two phases to these studies. The first phase is something that transcends just this context, right? Uh, It's a principle, maybe of Bible study that we'll pull out. And um, so we'll see that the context here, though, is the woman with the alabaster box, right? So it's 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 interesting because that happens all the way from verse thirty six, all the way from thirty six to fifty. So this parable, this this question about the two debtors, the situation with respect to who is going to be forget or who would love them, him the most that was forgiven, right? the two that were forgiven, was within the context of the woman with the alabaster box sitting at Jesus' feet and the context being within the home of Simon the Pharisee. So so, so I truly believe that Jesus is teaching in a parable, in a question in a parable, about the actual context of what's going on. The Pharisee or the woman who's been, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, anointing his feet, uh, with the oil uh, and and drying uh, you know with her uh, washing his feet with her tears and drying it with her hair. So Jesus is creating a comparison and a contrast, okay? Even this specific parable, the specific question is there's two. One knows 500, one knows 50, they're forgiven, right? There's a contrast. It's and and this is just a quick aside. This is different than the account in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, okay? Some commentaries will overlay this. I believe that there was a second event where a woman is, uh, in fact, uh, blessing the Lord by anointing him. That is in preparation for his death. And I believe this is a different context. Different things are said, different, um, there, there's just a lot, of, a lot of things different. I, I could be wrong. I will b- try to always admit uh, when, when I'm drawing conclusions on things. But I believe that these are two different accounts. The Luke 7 account versus the accounts that do correspond or correlate in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. So um, what we have here, look back all the way in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. Now, it's interesting that he's called a Pharisee. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. And behold, a woman of the city, which was a sinner, uh, <clears throat> when she knew that Jesus sat at meat at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with, her, with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself. So he didn't even actually speak out loud. He spake within himself, saying, This man, Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. It's interesting, she's, he's projecting onto her that she's a sinner, but he is not because of his his pharisaical position, I guess, um, and because of what she did. Evidently, her sins are worse than his. And Jesus then says, answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee, and he saith, Master, say on. We see the parable of the two uh, the two debtors and the creditor jumped down to verse 43 and Simon answered and supposed that uh and said I suppose that he to whom he forgave most right the 500 thou hast uh, judged rightly Jesus says and he turned this is really interesting and we'll, we'll, we'll explore this more in a few minutes but he turned Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon seest thou this woman so literally a, again a question within this context He turns and looks at the woman, but he's continuing to talk to Simon and says, Do you see this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not oint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loveth much, or loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. Amazing story. Amazing, amazing story. So the first thing I want to point out that's kind of overarching, the thing that transcends this uh, passage is parallels. So we looked last week, remember, we talked about questions are important in Scripture. When you're doing Bible study, comparisons and contrasts are very important, right? The book of Proverbs is loaded with contrasts and comparisons as this is, so is this, or as this is, this is, is not like this, right? Tons of, in the wisdom books in particular, there's a lot of contrast. But there's a contrast here. You should have a gap in your, in, your, uh, in your notes, and I want you to, for a moment, and you can do this with the person maybe sitting next to you, or you can do it by yourself. I want you to look at the woman who is the sinner and the Pharisee, and on one column... You should put things that are the same, okay? So on the one side, on the left side, I think you're going to put things that are the same, right? I said comparison, yeah. Comparison means they're like each other. So on on the left side, I want you just to jot some notes, look back through the passage. What do you think is the same? And the contrast is what is different, okay? So go ahead and take a few minutes to do that. So, so the, any of the passage from, yeah, from 36 to 50, from verse 36 to 50. And then, so just take a few minutes, then we're going to do it together. So don't panic if you don't find anything. I'll let you chime in if, if you find something or, or not if you don't. Shane, if you want to type anything in, uh, 36 through 50, com- comparison and contrast. So are we looking at the perspective of Jesus or... Either. A question came up, are we looking at the from the... Pre- Oh, I just, I think I turned it off. So, qu- question came, question was, from the perspective of Jesus or what we know, either, technically. Yeah, either is fine. I turned it off because I thought it was going to get loud. So, Shane, if you see anything, type anything in and, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll. Oh, I think I just turned it off at the very end. He good or no he, he's good okay So a couple more minutes, comparisons on the left, contrasts on the right. it's okay to even draw some conclusions from it. It's all right to, to not just do exactly what's in Scripture, but if you're drawing some conclusions, that, that'd be good as well, or acceptable maybe. About 30 more seconds, and then we'll start talking together. Okay, so I'm going to put up. Um, so, so at this point, I'll have you stop, and I won't say pens down because or pencils down because you're welcome to write some of the things that your your colleagues, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your your peers have also seen. I'm going to put a few things up here, but I don't uh, suspect that it's a comprehensive list. So, on the comparison front, I put that both knew Jesus, right? I mean, it's just kind of a, a little bit of a duh. One, the Pharisee invited him to the house, right? And the other, the woman, knew at least enough of him to, to approach him. They were both defined as a as a sinner uh, somewhere in Scripture, right? They're not even though the Pharisee may not see himself as a sinner, and we could put that as on the contrast here in a minute, but they are both sinners. They both desired to be with Jesus, kind of in different ways, right? The Pharisee would ask him to be at his home, right? He invited uh, Jesus, right? Uh, He desired that he would eat with him. Um, Both gave him something or expressed some form of appreciation. The Pharisee, the meal, the time, right? And obviously the woman uh, anointing him and and washing his feet. And they both understood Jesus' role uh, as, you know, someone to be respected, arguably a little bit different, but they both at least uh, respected that. Does anybody have other... Comparisons, things where they're similar. Any other thoughts? Surely I didn't get them all, did I? Maybe I did, I don't know. Okay. I got a, right here at the bottom, um, both understood Jesus' role, but differently. Mm-hmm. He understood Jesus as somebody to be respected, and she knew that Jesus, who he was, and she had faith that he could heal her. Amen. And that, yeah, so I would argue that that 's a little of both that they both had a respect for him, mm-hmm. right, not just his role, but maybe a respect for him, but the respect or the the implications of that respect in his role was a little different. want someone to learn from versus someone to heal him or or save her from her sins right mm-hmm. so it 's a similar it 's both a comparison kind of and a contrast which we 'll talk about in just a second anything else i didn 't I genuinely didn 't think I had got them all, but um, she came to see Jesus. He came to look around and criticize others. Okay, so that would be more of a contrast. They're, where they're different. Yeah, we'll talk about contrast in just a second. No, you're fine. This is com- so ways that they're that they're the same. Okay, well, good. I mean, hey, oh, yeah. My die. I just put down the both of them can see and hear. Right. So, so both of them can interact and can perceive uh, the the what's going on. I think it's kind of interesting. It's a little bit of an aside, not really a comparison, but like this woman was probably in the worship zone because she's literally being talked about, but yet she kind of stays focused on what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, right, right. Did I see another hand, Tom? Was it? Yeah. One left. Uh, Forgiven. When one was forgiven, so that would be more of a contrast. So let's just go. We'll go to the contrast here. So the contrast of the Pharisee and the woman. I put their perspective of sin. The Pharisee saw sin as a detraction, a reason not to come to Jesus. One saw it as an attraction to the Savior. Like he can heal my sins. I need to get to him, right? Or connect with him. See the contrast. Um, we talked about they both had respect. The respect of the man of God, but. One questioned his role as a prophet he said within himself, "How is it that he's a prophet if he's hanging out with sinners and one adorned him or worshipped him right anointed him uh so they even within that concept of respect they had kind of i think that under that's kind of what you yeah. were talking about right yeah. exactly yeah they both had a relationship with Jesus we talked about but one was a disciple now here's So, again, I'm just going to be very transparent. It looks like Simon the Pharisee is Simon, the other Simon that is referenced as a disciple. So, we don't have a ton of time to go into that, but it does appear as though in the list of disciples there's Simon Peter, but there's also Simon the Zealot or Simon the Canaanite, okay, who is another Simon, um, and some would even argue he is Judas Iscariot's father. That I think is a, a, a bridge too far for me. At least I didn't see enough. But there is reason to believe that this Pharisee is a a follower, or will be a follower of Christ as a disciple. Okay, even though he has this kind of twisted view, right, of 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 the sinner. And the relationship, right? But one was arguably a disciple, the, the Pharisee, and then one was a follower. She was not, she clearly wasn't listed as a disciple. She was a follower of Christ, right? And I'm not trying to undermine the role of the disciple by a long shot, but sometimes a follower will hit it when a disciple is like missing the forest for the trees, right? Sometimes we can be too educated, too knowledgeable for our own good sometimes, right? Their status in the gathering is also contrast. One literally was the host, and the other was an uninvited guest, according to, like, he wouldn't have her, if he had that opinion of her, he wouldn't, like, but I can only imagine if you have Jesus, like, you lose control of the door pretty quick, right? If you have Jesus over, at your place, right? I mean, you just lose control, right? Or over your roof. Or over your roof, for goodness sake, yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a great call. Uh, expression of gratitude. One was a meal, which kind of comes back to um, that they both had a, their uh, you know, their appreciation, but the other was oil and a kiss. One was much more intimate, and I don't mean that in any negative way, but much more intimate than a meal. I've had meals with a lot of people. There's not that many people I've kissed. Just going to say that oh, that way. I have kissed more than my wife. I actually kissed... Uh, a pastor here on the head the other day, um, but holy so, kiss. So it was a holy kiss. <laughs> Greet you one another with a holy kiss. Uh, but 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 still, that's a level of intimacy uh, versus a meal. Like I have never kissed anybody I've worked with, but I've eaten a lot of meals with people I work with, mm-hmm. right? And, they, and then their conclusions about Jesus: one saw him as a master or a forgiver of sin, and one saw him as a forgiver of their sin. <laughs> You know, which is kind of a big difference, is someone that is can forgive right at the end, right? They're seeing Jesus as someone who can forgive sins, but not necessarily someone who forgives them of their sin. So they each had the opportunity to view Jesus as Lord, but their main difference in these two individuals, I would argue, is their perspective, of Jesus, right? Their perspective of Jesus, and when you look at it through at the Lord through the humble and contrite eyes, you'll see Him for what He really is. When you abase yourself and you come to the Lord seeking His will, seeking to elevate Him, you will commune with Him in a way that's different. When you're seeking knowledge, okay? When you're seeking just uh, mental ascent or mental growth. You'll see him for what he really is, a savior. So that's kind of the first part of our lesson. Uh, you know, I, I said that the numbers would continue. So that was number series point number two. So now we'll get into, in the remaining time we have left, the three lessons that I want to talk about this concept, the kind of devotional. So when the Lord gets your attention, give him your attention. Notice he says to Simon... And uh, I flipped the page here. So, uh, uh, and and so, so, verse forty. And Jesus said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Simon saith, Master, say on. So when Jesus gets your attention, when the Lord gets your attention, ask him to continue teaching you. Sometimes we're like, uh, so so when I. When I got saved, the, the, the experience or circumstances around my salvation involved a car accident. So I wrecked my car, and I can still remember, I think I've shared this maybe here, I could take you to the place where I stood, and I looked up to heaven, and I said, God, what do you want from me? Okay? I knew God was trying to work through that situation. He had been preparing me. I, you know, just we don't have time to go into all the details, but I knew he had been preparing me. I needed to continue listening because it wasn't until the next day that someone shared the gospel with me, right? I could have, and how many people do we know, who God rattles their cage and they're down for listening, but then 24 hours goes by and they're out. That was yesterday. I was just an emotional basket case then. I, wasn't, I, was, you know, I needed Jesus yesterday, but I don't need him today. But when he gets your attention... I would encourage you to say, say on. Yeah. <laughs> say on. Yes. So Jesus answered his inward thought with an outward communication. Now, I've included some references here where Jesus does that a lot. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but he answers his inward thought. Notice in verse 39, when the Pharisee spake, or I'm sorry, no, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answers him, which is amazing wording, by the way. Right. Jesus is verbally answering what he has thought. And he, Jesus does this a fair amount. In Luke 5, he perceived their thoughts and answered them. Luke 6, he knew their thoughts and said to the man, right, Uh, Now, when Jesus knew that they were desirous asking him, he said, do you inquire among yourselves what I've said? Uh, Right? So he can look beyond the sound. He can look into the heart and pull out that inward thought uh, and answer it with an outward communication. And notice it's interesting because he says, master, say on. This is a different word than Lord. You know how I know it's different? Because it's spelled differently. Right. Oops. So it's not. It's, so ye call me master and Lord. I mean, there's even another reference in John 13, master and Lord. Simon the Pharisee is not calling him Lord. Right. I would argue that the woman by her actions is calling him Lord. Yes. Right. He is saying, teach me, teach me. I need to understand as compared to need to commune. I need or worship, right? So master is not the same as Lord. And Jesus uh, directs his personal, very personal education. Now, obviously, Jesus knows what he's doing. I'm not in any way, shape, or form second guessing that he's teaching everybody in the moment, right? He does that a lot, and we'll see that as we go through the study. But he is speaking directly to Simon and says, I have somewhat... To say unto thee. And notice, verse after verse, again, I was doing this just kind of for completeness. I say also unto thee. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee. Verily I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed. Uh, when he talks to, uh, to, um, uh, to uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, I can't remember the, the, the damsel. I thought he had, anyway, he says, I say unto thee, Arise. And in Luke 4, I say unto thee, arise. It even continues, uh, I say, he said unto him, verily, I say unto thee. Jesus in in John 3 to Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee. Uh, Jesus answered and continues again with Nicodemus, I say unto thee. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. This is not just nice uh, nomenclature, nice wording. This is very targeted education, very targeted communication to the person that needs to hear it. So when the master, when the Lord gets your attention, your response should be, say on. Speak to me, Lord. How do you want me to respond? And sometimes he'll do it in a setting like this. He'll do it in a small group. He'll do it in in in, in big service, if you will. He'll do it in different ways, but you need to have that approach, Lord, I would argue Lord, because not just master, but Lord say on in my life don't stop teaching me grow me so our second lesson our second lesson his love is not conditional but ours can be the whole point of the parable is there's one that's forgiven 500 pence one that's forgiven 50 pence who loves the most which would imply i mean this is jesus talking it's pretty straightforward The implication is we can love him differently, right? He even continues, and um, in verse forty-three, and Simon answered, "I suppose that he to whom he forgave most." And he said unto him, "Thou hast rightly judged." Jesus reinforces. Like I don't feel like there's any, like drawing of any conclusion here jesus is reinforcing that our love to the lord can be conditional and one of those conditions can be what we're saved from i have met some people who have really been saved from some bad stuff and they really love the lord because they get what he did now here's the here's the nice thing if you, like like I did, I mean, I got saved when I was 17 years old. I hadn't done <clears throat> too much bad stuff. Like, I don't have that testimony of, you know, having lived, gone off to college, experimented with any and everything, right? I didn't have this testimony where, where I had all of this baggage, but I did know I was a sinner. And at the end of the day, I know that he saved me from all of my sin, and the fact that he saved me actually saved me from future sins. Not to say I'm perfect, I still sin, but he saved me from things that I hadn't yet experienced, right? right? Hadn't done yet. And so that perspective (laughs) is really important. That perspective, because our love, in fact, can be conditional. So. You manifest your love through obedience and action. Very clear passages in John 13 and 14, "By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. If ye love me, keep my commandments." And Jesus answered and said to, "If a man love me, he will keep my words. You show show your love through <clears throat> obedience and action and keeping his word. But what's interesting is it's a one-way street logically. If you love him, you will keep his words and his commandments. But just keeping his words and commandments doesn't necessarily mean you love him, okay? It's a one-way logic flow. You cannot, you, it's possible that someone who, who follows him, that's how people will know, okay? But it's not a guarantee And this passage, I would argue, is is the key. The Pharisee was all about keeping the commandments. But he didn't actually love the same way this sinner woman did, right? So your love can be, or you manifest your love through obedience and action, but you cannot manifest your love only through actions, right? The more you do doesn't necessarily mean the more you love, but the more you love, the more you'll do. Right. And I know I joked last week, and it's just, it's, you know, I joked last week about the doctor said that Michelle could still do the dishes, right? But, but I don't think, aside from maybe that water bottle, a couple of things, you've not done any dishes since you've got home, right? So, Good job. <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> I don't even know where that comes from, like like old cartoons or something. But anyway... I have tried to support her, serve her. She's not wiped the dog's feet this week, despite the right, Like, I don't think you've done anything significant... That's not, I don't think you've done anything significant to help the house this week. But, like, we have tried to take that off of her. We did that because we love her. But doing that is just a facet or just a view of the love that we have for her. It's not the love... Right, you tracking? So it's really important that you cannot only manifest your love through actions. Because look, in First Corinthians thirteen, the passage about charity, the passage about love, the passage about ministry uh, from from a heart of of love. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, the, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profit, profiteth me nothing. Charity never faileth but whether there be prophecies they shall fail even biblical teaching shall fail whether there be tongues or evidence of the holy spirit in, in moving or or any of those kinds of things they shall cease whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away if it's not supported with charity if it's not supported with real love and here's the here's the kicker and the one thing that i have well a thing that i have learned in ministry people see through your actions yeah. So if you're only doing it because you're supposed to do it, yeah. the Holy Spirit bears that out. Or or I don't know if it's our intuition or if it's the Holy Spirit or some combination of both. But if you genuinely don't love people, be careful how you serve them. Because you might actually be, they might be like, what's his angle? What's she trying to accomplish, right? What is, what's going on here? Right, yeah. It's got to be supported with genuine love. Yeah. And genuine love is actually pretty easy to just start viewing them through the eyes of, of Jesus, right? View yourself as that sinner who found the Savior and wants to connect other people to it, it, it to him, it's, it, or to the salvation. It's, it's not a, a, a difficult concept, really. So lesson three, don't miss what is in front of you. Don't miss what's in front of you. And I think this is really, this is really cool because what's right in front of him? The woman, Right? The woman, and Simon answered and said, I suppose, in verse 43, that he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, Thou hast judged, rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, I touched on this, and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? So now the, the question again gets real targeted. He's looking at the woman and says, Do you see this woman? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Jesus, she's right there. How can I miss her? She's washing your feet we're talking about her like i you 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 responded in my to the to the thought i had in my heart about her like of course i see her like i know that you know that i know that you know that i know is going on here like we all know that she's the focus but jesus still articulates do you see her a few years ago one of the leaders in our organization did a presentation at our company function, and it still resonates. He's been gone for several years, and it was, I see you. I see you. And you know how validating it is to people in a work environment just for them to know that their work is important? I see you. I see your value you bring. I see your value as a person. I see you. Jesus is literally saying, do you see her She's a, a true rep the representation of the washing of her sins. She hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the ha- with the hairs of her heads. She's giving back that action because she knows he can save her from her sins. Whether she's saved already at this point or not, uh, we could split hairs and have that debate and have a, a doctrinal um, you know uh, you know sit down and, and thumb wrestle over all that. What I do know is that she knows he's the savior. She knows he's the savior and she's giving back or giving maybe even forward, acknowledging his lordship. And it's a representation of her appreciation for the relationship. This woman, since I, t- I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, which was interesting because she positioned herself in the right spot to receive him in this dude's house that she wasn't welcome in. Like yeah. I can't even kind of wrap my head around how that happened, other than Jesus is like, there are things, right? They, they 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 say the best way to get your house clean is have somebody call and say, I'm on my way over, because you'll clean more in five minutes than you will in, right? Right? You'll get more done in those five minutes, like everything's clean, right? I can only imagine if you said, Hey Jesus, would you come have a meal? And Jesus is like, Yeah then there's a lot going on. Like I said before, you're going to lose control of the door. There's going to be people. There's going to be, you know, like I can only imagine. But like from the minute he sat down, this woman was on him with respect to worship. And that is just amazing to me. She didn't belabor it. She she was like doing it in light of knowing who Jesus was and what he had to to offer her. I just think it's, it's, a, it's a true appreciation. And then representation of his lordship in her life. And this, this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. And I think it's interesting because this is why, in part why, I think it's different than the other two anointings in um, Matthew and Luke. Because Jesus is very clear. He's referencing that she's anointing him uh, to, in those passages to his death, right? and and i again it could be but i just don't think it's the same here she this is all focused on her relationship with jesus understanding his lordship right and so um it brought me honestly to to you know so you see these three you know when the lord gets your attention give him your attention don't don't just take it for a second oh yeah god was trying to do something and then then i i walked away from it his love is not conditionals, but ours can be, right? Based on how we view him, and and do we see the woman? Do we see what's going on in front? And and I think I included uh, on your on your notes uh, the the lyrics from C. C. Winans' mm-hmm. "Alabaster Box." Mm-hmm. I was going to play it, but it's it's actually a fairly long song. But notice, um, and I won't read all of this, but um, notice the second kind of second stanza, I guess. I can't forget the way life used to be. I was a prisoner to the sin that had made had, had me bound. I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a, into a little treasure box that I thought I'd found. Until the day when Jesus came to me and he healed my soul with the wonder of his touch. So now I'm giving back to him all the praise he's worthy of. I've been forgiven and that's why I love him so much. And that literally, I think, captures what's going on here. I think she did a wonderful job. I don't know if she wrote it. I know she performed it. A really good job of encapsulating this woman with the alabaster box, her perspective of his lordship. And what an amazing contrast to the Pharisee who who's like, I want you to be with me. I want you to eat with me. And I want you to teach with me, teach me, master. I want you, I want to understand what you understand. And yet he's missing the entire relationship, the intimate relationship that he can have. So I'd encourage you, if you don't know that song, Google it, it'll pop right up. I would encourage you to listen to it. To whom much is forgiven, they will love the much. Let's pray. Lord.